Thank you for listening to the Weekly Market Outlook. It is our pleasure to bring an industry-leading market analyst to provide you with the most value possible in your farm business. Please reach out anytime by emailing cbaron at agviewsolutions.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the AgView Pitch. We're heading into the first full week of 2023, so you got to remember it's not 2022 anymore, I guess. Uh, January 9th through the 13th, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about here today, and we have our special guest with us, Ryan Moe, Regional Director at StoneX in Minneapolis. Ryan, how's it going? It's going pretty good. It's going pretty good. Hey, happy new year to you, Chris. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Yeah, it's awesome having you on. We haven't, haven't, uh, had you on here for a while. I think it was time, man. We gotta, we gotta find out, uh, what's going on here. I know you guys have done a lot of, you do a lot of research and you're kind of all over the place and know a lot of things that are going on. So we're excited to have you on. And with that said, I think we will get right to business here. Um, I want to ask you, first of all, what are some of the, and we'll get to USDA upcoming report and all that stuff here in a minute, but I want to first ask you, um, what are some of the threats you're watching? Because, and maybe I'm just uh, a scaredy cat farmer here, but I'm worried about the unsold 22 bushels, and I'm worried about the most expensive crop we've ever put in, and the risk that's on the table right now. Um, what are you guys watching? What are some things that you guys think that farmers need to be paying attention to? Uh, well, everybody needs to pay attention to basic statistics. And when you are dealing with 350 corn, you naturally have far less risk than you do if you have 650 corn. But that's just not how the human brain works for some reason. To see $2 of downside potential in a 650 corn environment, yeah, you can make that work. But can you see $2 worth of downside potential in 350 corn? No. So, I mean, so that's, that's the first and easiest way to look at the dilemma that people have in their minds of what mm -hmm. do I need to do for downside protection? Because truthfully, there's way more downside risk in a 650 market than there is in a 350 market. Mm -hmm. And so just making sure that people have a plan for those bushels, because this is one thing that we ran into a lot in the month of November while the market was going down is we asked when originators would call around and say, uh, you interested in selling corn? The answer would be no. Uh, they'd sold as much $7 corn, cash corn as they'd wanted in, in an example. And then you just asked them, well, what was your, what's your next target price? And there would be no answer except I don't know. I just want more. <laughs> and so I think what we saw here in the last, uh, easily the last half of December was there was a lot of farmers that have come to grips and have just shooed away the, the dream of nine and $10 corn. And they were major sellers on that rally coming into the new year. Mm -hmm. So let me ask a specific question then on, both corn and soybeans here on old crop on 22 crop, um, maybe wheat for that matter too, or, or any of these commodities, what's the reason for holding on to the old crop stuff? 
What is, is there a reason, I guess? Pride. Um, and then there's also a strong desire to play in that late summer market because of some of the explosive things that we've seen with basis in the last couple of years in the late summer market. Now, and this is totally regional because that's a basis play right. more so than it is a board play. And there's a lot that goes into that. And you guys do a fantastic job of educating your customers on the numbers as to what, what it actually is going to cost a producer to hold that corn into July simply to bet on whether or not a hog producer has enough corn to get them through to new crop harvest, right? So mm -hmm. it's a it's a high-risk bet, and everybody's numbers are going to be different because, frankly, every state, every county, every township has a massively different supply and demand economics picture this year. Mm -hmm. Are you guys shifting the conversation forward a little bit? Are you guys watching what outside factors or fundamentals are you watching? You know, you've got the energy market, you've got crude, you know, there's been kind of like a decoupling of that, or I don't know if there is or isn't, you can answer that question with what energy's doing. You know, you got Argentina weather, you've got the Ukraine war. I mean, there's a list of a whole bunch of stuff. Is there anything that warrants the most attention, like maybe Argentina weather or anything like right now that you would say pay, pay really close attention to? Well, I think, so let's, uh, let's, Let's start with the U.S. here, and let's start with energy prices. I'm looking at a $73.70 crude oil print. Mm -hmm. You know, we're looking at diesel fuel there that is down substantially. It's not down substantially, but it's, it's down, and that is just one volatile beast right there. You know, uh, Arbob gasoline, I, you know, we don't run any of our uh, – high-end equipment on gasoline, but those prices are way down at the pump. And so when you start looking at what is, you know, what some of the things are that a person can do to shore up their, uh, their operation, looking at energy prices seems like a pretty average crude oil price right now. You know, I know we're not average as far as the, the diesel fuel prices by any means, but start looking at some of that because is there some upside risk there? I, I believe there is. But when you, so let's look at energy, you know, that could be something to start negotiating with your supplier on, on those terms because there is an inverse in that market. So checking out what uh, spring and fall gallons would be worth, probably something good to take a look at here. As far as the other big bogey that's out there, interest rates, interest rates, interest rates. Farmers need to understand what higher interest rates and just so that everybody knows, we are not even at average interest rates yet, but we are sure as heck off the bottom on interest rates and understanding what those mean to your operation. Mm -hmm. Some of the best farmers that I know, they look at interest costs no differently than they look at corn and soybean meal costs for their feedlot, right? I mean, they, they see it as an operating expense and it's an expense that needs to be managed. So, Farmers need to get smart on that, and farmers need to have bankers that are willing to get smart with them on mm -hmm. that. So 
and now just a little bit of an outlook. We were at FarmCon here this week, and we had our interest rates expert, uh, Josh Cannington, there with us. And interestingly enough, the company that actually trades interest rate swaps, i.e. Sonex, was the least bullish on interest rates of all of the analysts that were there. So we, we, have a, we have an outlook that we believe that rates should be flattening out here in 2023. Uh, we see the measures that the Fed has taken so far as working. I mean, we are certainly seeing the economy uh, not weakening, but the heat is coming off of it for sure. I mean, just mm-hmm. look at the residential real estate market. So these moves that the Fed has made in the interest rate space have been working. We would just like to see the Fed take their foot off of the accelerator and just let these higher interest rates kind of work their way through so they don't overdo it to the upside and Mm -hmm. then crashes back down to the downside. But that's something that young producers and old producers alike need to familiarize themselves with the tools that are available out there to manage interest rate risk because if they do overcorrect to the upside and then the Fed has to crash rates to the downside, we could be looking at a another generational opportunity to lock in long-term debt on some things at very, very low rates. And we don't want to be caught with our pants down a decade from now, right? Mm-hmm. But there's some things that they really need to focus on. As far as Argentina weather, um, I think now I'm going to go ahead and get on my capitalist bandwagon here. Uh, I think mother nature is far less of a risk than those socialist ass clowns that they have running the government there. Uh, pretty well known that I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a very passionate capitalist and communism and socialism is something that I just absolutely hate. Uh, Argentina's got a major problem, not just this year with weather, which the weather's bad down there, but those farmers have a much, much bigger problem with the leadership of their country. And when we look at the advantages of being in the capitalist United States here, there's a phenomenal, there's a a phenomenally better story because yes, our inputs are expensive. And like you said, just here a few minutes ago, this is the most expensive crop we've ever put in in history. But the truth is, is we can afford it and we've got the credit facilities to be able to afford it. The Argentinian farmer, they don't. And so the suppliers down there for inputs are looking at what is all going on down there. And they're saying, I'm going to sell more inputs to my best customers first. And then if I run out, I guess that's too bad. But that's the best customers are going to be the U.S. and Brazil. So everything that we're going to lose in Brazil or in Argentina this year, I think Brazil is going to more than make up for. So that's a significantly bigger story on the bearish side than the bad situation taking place in Argentina. Mm-hmm. Another question that kind of spins off of your comments there are the, the big money, the funds. What are, how are they looking at that? Cause you know, as a farmer, we need the, we need their participation <laughs> to give us price mm-hmm. strength and all that stuff too. Mm-hmm. And when they step out of, out of the, the game, it makes it really tough to, to go anywhere and, and, as much as we don't like volatility, we like volatility because we want to see the markets move. So we have opportunities. What's what? What's the take that you guys see? You guys have a pretty good pulse on what big money's doing. What do you see there? Well, I mean, it's 
a great question. And we have an absolute poster child of a market in the last three weeks for what big money coming into the market can do mm-hmm. and what big money coming out of the market can do yep. coming into new year. I mean, that was a, that was a new money driven rally. There was an enthusiasm from the funds to come in here and buy it up, buy it up, buy it up. And you saw a rally from, you know, the mid six thirties in March corn all the way up to over six eighty. That was all new money driven. And then after the first of the year, I don't know, somebody woke up on the wrong side of the bed at New Year's after uh, a big New Year's Eve party, and they just beat the crap out of this thing last week. Mm-hmm. That's that's the power of the funds. You can't, you got to love them when, they, when they're there to be loved, but you also can't hate them when they're selling off because they have the deepest pockets, yet the shallowest commitment to this market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. I think that's just one of those things we obviously got to pay attention to. Um, let's shift gears here and keep this moving. So um, we have a USDA report, WASD, coming up um, Thursday this week. And um, so if people are listening to this on Friday, I guess they'll see how smart you are. Um, and uh, now you guys had some estimates out, Stonex. What what are you guys uh, anticipating, or what are you looking looking at? Well, so I'll tell you this: if I get it right, uh, due to my uh, position as lower level middle regional management in the company, <laughs> I will of course yeah. take credit. Yeah, that's what a that's that's what a you know an average leader would do. Um, but then if I get these wrong, I'm going to go ahead and blame all of the estimators. There you go. So, yep. yeah, so there, this is, we're trying to position this as a win-win situation for Ryan, personally, <laughs> right? Yep. Yep, that works. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Tom Brady is just, just really, really loving what he <laughs> yeah. there, right? Yep. He, he's a listener of yours, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. You know, he's, okay. he's got some farmland, you know, so he, he needs to be if he's not. That's great. Well, we'll see him in Tampa there. He'll be at your show, right? Uh, he might be busy yet doing football stuff, but we'll see. Okay. Okay. But if he happens to be off, he'll be showing up, right? Yep. yep. So, Hopefully. Yeah. So he'll give the leadership seminar. This there you year. go. Perfect. But no, so um, so estimates here. Now, understand estimates are all just, they're, they're just estimates. But I really do like where Stonex is at on this because I, I'm a believer that this corn crop from last year is, is growing a little bit. It's, uh, it's, you know, 30 out of the last 30 years, the farmer has outperformed all of what the analysts thought that they could do. Right. And so when you look at how bad the conditions were in parts of the Western corn belt and you see what the, the, the farmers were able to get done out there, it's just, it's pretty magnificent. The, the ability in that sector, and so I do think that the crop is getting a little bit bigger. So last month, the corn the corn yield was estimated to be 172.3. This week, uh, the average estimate coming in is 172.5. Our estimate is up there at 173. I do like our estimate because I do like how we do the survey methodology. And I think that, uh, I, I think that we're pretty close there. Beans, you know, that's just such a crapshoot. Um, everything is really tight right in there. I'll just put it this way. We're somewhere between 50 and 51 bushels an acre on the bean crop. I just, it's, 
it's dialed in if I don't think we should see any drama if it's within that range. Carryouts are um, carryouts are shrinking a little bit, but I mean, it's kind of interesting to see how much demand from the livestock sector that we've had uh, pulled forward. I mean, they're trying to they're trying to eat as much as they possibly can. The production estimates of Brazil and Argentina are going to be very very closely watched. Um, our team down in Brazil just did their first uh, their first estimate here, or maybe it's their second one. I can't remember where they're at, but I was, you know, on my little soapbox and thinking that we had 155 million metric tons crop out of Brazil because I just think the the great areas in Brazil are going to be so strong because of the amount of rainfall that they've been getting that the great is going to outweigh anything that is uh, that that sweep in the south. But the, our, our estimate came out at 153.8, and I got a lot of faith in the men and women in our market intelligence and the broker group down there. I'm going to say I, I like that. And so we are, we are coming into this as estimators. I guess you'd say we're bearish because our U.S. corn estimates are bigger and our Brazilian corn and soybean estimates are bigger than the average market expectations. So coming in with all the things you're saying, one thing I missed too, you, did you guys have a number on the corn? I caught the soybean one, but I didn't write it down. Oh yeah, our corn estimate is 173 bushels an acre. Okay. So you're coming in slightly bearish here on, you know, on the big picture. It, it, when you say slightly, let's make sure we capitalize slightly. Right, yep. right. So capitalizing slightly bearish, what... Mm -hmm. Let's say that you guys are right and we come in there. It's not always what the report says. It's the reaction to the report that, you know, is always right. kind of the big deal. I mean, sometimes you get a bearish report and you get the markets go up and it's like, what the hell? Why is this? You know, so, right. you know, as we head into the next, you know, couple of months here, you know, are there some other things, you know, that this this report you know, is kind of the big deal of all reports. It seems like it's kind of like the Super Bowl of reports or whatever. It is. Do you yeah. do you see it having the power to move things if it's slightly bearish? Do you think it's going to have a, a pretty negative, profound effect, or or you know, and, and that's that's your crystal ball. I'm, you know, the yeah, Friday, the so, Friday well, and, quarterback. Yeah, and so so like you just can't outguess it, and so you have to just kind of follow like what what trends you are on. And market news is a, is an odd beast. And so you have to your your market news, and you have to just look at the market psychology when reacting to the news. Um, right now, I feel like we are in a market, and this is just after the last week, right? Because coming into coming into Christmas break, folks, I mean, the market psychology around headlines was. If the market, if the news was bearish, that is neutral. If the news was neutral, that was bullish. If the news was bullish, that was very bullish. Mm -hmm. After this last week, I don't feel that we are in the same market psychology news cycle. Right. I feel we are in a, if the market news is bearish, it will be bearish. Mm -hmm. If we see a neutral number, I feel the market will be bearish. If we see a bullish number, I expected neutral reaction. Mm -hmm. 
And now when I say bearish to bearish, I don't think we're, I, I honestly don't believe we'll see like multiple limit down moves. I mean, there's just too much uncertainty with all of the other international right. conflicts that are going out there for that. But I mean, to see things continue, like what we saw in that November trend type market, that is, that mm-hmm. is what I would worry about more on Thursday than anything else. Yeah. That's what concerns me is just the potential for a slow drain here, you know, and how much money we have vested in in both crops really the 22 and the 20 i mean the 22 is known so and that's why i asked the question you know what are the reasons for i can't find a reason for holding on to 22 other than you know we have a drought and you look really smart sitting on it i guess if we have eight dollar corn in the middle of the summer because we have a massive drought or something but the odds of you know nobody knows that nobody knows any of any of any of those things but I guess what I want to wrap up with and appreciate your, your candor there and kind of what, what your thoughts are there. Cause it's, that's a, that puts you on the spot there. You know, I don't want to throw you under the bus here for the. Right, no, no, you're not right. going to throw me under the bus. Remember I'm blaming the estimators. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Right? All the credit, if I'm right, I blame all the estimators. If yeah. We're wrong, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's, the... it's an I or a we type of a scenario. Yeah. Yep. You'll know. You'll know by uh, Thursday at noon which position I'm in. That's why you're so smart, I guess, right? That's just, that's a good way to good way to handle it. So, my you know, Iowa, I, my GPA at Iowa State would probably disagree. Yeah. So, so my last question is is on 2023. Um, right. We said it at the beginning. We're gonna say it at the end, and people are getting sick of me saying it. Probably most spent most expensive crop we've ever put in. We got to right. manage this risk. What do we do between now and crop insurance time frame? If we're sitting there, you know, our average client currently right now is at like 22% sold on corn and about the same on soybeans. We've got some people that are hundred percent covered between, you know, puts and HTAs and, and some sales. And we've got some people with nothing sold. What, have, what are you doing between now and crop insurance discovery period in February? I have a the fortunate opportunity to work with a group of clients that are far smarter than me. Um, and this is, this is on all levels of production, whether it's soy crush, whether it's uh, on farm production, whether it's hog producers. I, I, I have a group of people that, you know, I listen to. And when they speak with their position, I listen to them. Um, I also got done with a present. I just got done with a, a week at FarmCon, which is a which is a good experience. And, and one of the guys that I, I disagreed with a lot of the stuff that he had said, but one of the things that he had brought up is get really familiar with how to do option strategies because he was very worried about some of the potential explosive volatility that could be coming our way and people with big futures positions on all of us on one side or the other. We're, we're not saying ones that we're not saying that yeah. and that can put people into a cash crunch. Mm-hmm. Volatility has been pretty moderate. And so understanding what a put option can do for your 2023 crop. Now, just because you buy the 20, the D23, let me look at my screen here. 
we're looking at a D590 call. This is kind of magical, Chris. I don't know why. It is. Just, it costs fifty cents. The put for the five ninety put costs you forty nine cents. Do you have to carry that put until November twenty fourth, twenty twenty three? No, you don't. Right? You can you can carry that thing until first of June and then sell it back and trade out of it really use these option markets that are in a relatively low volatility position right now Mm -hmm. and just protect yourself because if you can tell me, so I look at, I mean, what about short dated options between now and what's your thought on that between now and right. I mean, pick your, yeah. I mean, then, then it comes up to pick your date and pick your, uh, pick your issue. Right. I mean, which, which do you want, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and so it's a, and I mean, there's so many different, there's so many different strikes on those that I can't, I'm not going to sit here and advise you which one to go ahead mm-hmm. and buy. But if you're looking at a 540 worst price scenario for you, uh, because then you're, you know, these 23, 590 puts cost me, 40, you know, 49, 50 cents, right? Mm-hmm. Are you profitable at that point? Well, it's your floor, and, and that's where, you know, what we look at with everybody is, you know, dial that cost of production in, get it accurate with your APH, right. with what you actually are going to produce on average and where your insurance level mm-hmm. theoretically should be, and then mm-hmm. match those things up. In, in, yeah. you know, and, and this is not advice. I mean, I'm going to say that right now. We're not giving advice. We're just talking about scenarios and options and things that I think that, well, I, I just want somebody to tell me what's wrong with that. Yeah. And and, and, and that's one thing that we, we haven't seen out of producers is we haven't seen a really good argument for why not. Right. Right. Because they're like, well, it's the upfront cost of the options. Like, well, you don't have to carry this thing till November 24th. Right. If you're a set it and forget it type farmer, you need a better strategy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But yeah. if it's a, but if it's a management position, yeah, then this, this, this is a great way to secure yourself in case of some really, really weird stuff happening. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you lose money on option premium for you're a short gaining, period of time. You're gaining on the other end. The thing. Bingo. So. Bingo, bingo, yep. bingo. And you're gaining far more than you're risking. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, you know, like I said, we're not, I, I just want to make sure everybody knows uh, the whole purpose of the, of the podcast always is for, for, perspective and the perspective that I've been trying to get across for the last lot for a long time here now is is how much our inputs have gone up where our cost productions mm-hmm. at and this this market mm-hmm. always seems to eventually at least in 27 years doing this finds its way back to that number and so that's where you know and, and maybe it's maybe that doesn't happen for five years maybe it happens in five days I don't have any clue all I know is is pay attention because um there's a lot of risk on the table. There's a lot of dollars at stake, more so than I've ever seen in, in 27 years of doing this as far as the risk goes. So it's just a just a, a warning call and, and some perspective. And and um, any right. final comments you have? I know you got some. You need to be watching your time. Any any final comments you have, and and we'll get her wrapped up. Everything you said is spot on there, and the smart the smart money, and the smart clients that. I have the fortunate opportunity to work with 
the, the, the smartest people in the industry are looking at the opportunity to manage this risk away. Um, and they're, they're working diligently at that to position themselves. Uh, and yeah, they're using option strategies mm-hmm. um, because of the potential upside, which could be great. But they are, but they are looking very carefully at what happens if the bottom does drop out of this thing. Mm-hmm. We don't know what could cause that. We don't know why that would happen. Uh, should it happen? Probably not. But what if it does? And you're, you're right. It, it does have a tendency to gravitate back towards the mean. And prices right now are, are above the mean. So let's work at managing that. You don't have to take all of the risk away you should be looking at carefully managing that. Yeah, for sure. So if, um, Ryan, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to find you if they want to have just even a conversation with you on the phone, ask you some questions and kind of get some perspective for you one-on-one, what's the best way? Yeah, I'm, I'm on and off the trade desk all the time. So the phone numbers are just kind of a challenge for me um, because I kind of have to, I kind of have to set stuff up by appointments. And so email is going to be the best way for me. It's ryan.mo at donex.com. Um, go ahead, reach out. Uh, we'll get you put on our midday thoughts. That's a, a goofy little thing that we put together each day that uh, we get a lot of great feedback on that. Um, but yeah, ryan.mo, M-O-E at donex. All right, ryan.mo at stonex.com if they want to get a hold of you. That's awesome. Uh, Ryan, really appreciate I know you need to get going, and I really um, appreciate your time today. And um, we will see what this USDA report has to say, and uh, we'll be going from there, and we'll get you back again real soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hey, great being here. Happy New Year once again, and, uh, yeah, big week, so everybody get prepared. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, and you're going to be at our conference too, which is full, by the way. But January 25th through Fantastic. the 27th, we're excited to have you there, and probably have you helping do some of the guest hosting for the reports from the conference. So, look forward to seeing you there too. Yep, really looking forward to it. We've got about 195 inches of snow up here in Minnesota right now. <laughs> so, uh, any opportunity I can have to uh, get out of this, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. It's a great conference. It's a, a really great collection of some really good minds. And uh, it's, I'm, I'm excited to get back down there and, and see some of the folks who went from last year. Yep, looking forward to having you. And again, thank you, Ryan. And thank everybody. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will catch you again next time on the Ag You Pitch. <laughs>